welcome. This is Why Life Is. I'm back again. I, if you were listening to the first minute of the last time I tried to get on, we have some equipment issues going on in here, but we've uh, hopefully have worked them out. And tonight's show is really a continuation of other prior shows, but it's sort of the culmination of the coming change of world order, which is a significant event coming in the next couple of years that, uh, and the reason I believe that's the case, well, I'll get into that, but the point is that it, I think it's going to be the next couple of years we're going to see the elements of this change. Now, that doesn't mean it will take like 20 or 30 years to fully develop, but it has some significant uh, issues for everybody on planet Earth. And what it is, is that as far as the, what we call ray changes, where energy focus on the way senses work in various life forms, particularly where we're at, where it is most, most important, uh, is making humans into what we'll call a class of life form that is now taking full charge over Earth. Now, that sounds like, well, what's the role with that? We know what we're doing, right? Well, yeah, we really don't know much of what we're doing. And what we are doing is not necessarily being helpful. And that's because among ourselves, among us as, as beings who are at the top where we are, the top of the uh, development of life on Earth, it is a... It is a, a, a mixed bag. Humans have developed a, a high capacity for certain types of mental thinking. That's very good, actually. It's not a bad thing to have that. And in the process, we have a sort of uh, development in slight levels of intuitive thought. But most of our intuitive thought is confused and lacks too much love for life in general to be effective. So because we don't love life as much as we need to at the part of time that we're working in, uh, we have created our own crisis. And that crisis is the change in world, will become part of the change in world order. Now, how, what is world order? World order, which is a, a, a name, a words that have been used for a long time, determines the trend of how governments and people collectively within governments, tend, which is a first-ray effect, tend to group together and make decisions that affect countries and collective groups of countries. So the change in world order means that there's a change in what's happening in individual countries, but even most importantly, there's a change in what's happening in the collectives of various groups of countries. And the United States is still the leading country in this whole order. As we tend to go, because I'm speaking from the United States, as we tend to go, the world order over time tends to move 
in that direction. That doesn't mean it's a controlling factor absolute, but it does mean that it has a profound effect on other countries. Why is that true? Uh, because the people who helped to create the United States were of the greatest level of consciousness for their time. And they uh, sought freedom as a principle and the ability to be creative of eventually uh, country, orders of country, and then eventually of world order, which they didn't really pay much attention to, by the way. They're not the creators of this country. They were not that concerned about other countries when they created this country. But nonetheless, there is more of this concern as, as time has grown because we have developed ourselves to a point in uh, mental capability so that we recognize what world order is in comparison to the order of a specific country. And that puts us into a larger scope in the things that are done, particularly in a leading country like the United States, has a profound effect on the whole world over time. Because of that, the dark side has moved very, very diligently and uh, I unfortunately will say successfully uh, by their standards to uh, limit the order in the United States to a uh, non, we'll call it, a non-godlike uh, place that is going to become a hallmark for changing Earth into a dark world. Now, you could say, well, why go after the United States? I've got all these other countries. Uh, Russia certainly is one to think is going to probably overnight become a hallmark of light. And the Chinese... <laughs> You could quadruple that statement, and uh, the same would be true of uh, the smaller countries like Cuba and now the terribleness in Venezuela. And, uh, and you know, th this is true. This is this is definitely true. But it doesn't change the fact that ultimately the leading country in the world is the United States. So you have people like Barack Obama, who wasn't even from this world. Not, not in a true sense. I mean, he as a person was, but not his soul. And so he comes here and he has a negative attitude towards uh, the West in general, but the United States in particular, and uh, has ideas of world globalism that aren't too far from George Soros, who is a very evil being, the, the most evil guy that's presently incarnate from the dark side. And between the two of them, they, they had a pretty pretty good run in destroying a good deal of what would be the light within the United States. But it isn't just an individual, even someone as powerful as Soros with uh, maybe a hundred billion dollars or more in, in value of the asset and that's power. Money is money is a form of power. He exercises that power almost exclusively 
against the United States simply by the amount of money he spends, not by not by anything else. He doesn't get on the radio and talk to you like I am or anything like that because he, he wants to stay hidden. He wants to stay behind the scenes because he's he is in the dark hierarchy. He is, a, he is an evil being. There aren't very many people in the whole world like it, but you don't need very many, luckily, or unluckily for us. But luckily, there aren't too many here. So that's that's a, at least we have some chance of surviving this. Now the coming change is going to be based upon a model that's happening right here in the United States. What is happening in the United States? Well, uh, the political bodies of the United States, which we are all familiar with, I think, everybody from governors to state legislatures to our national government, which is the key proponents of the, of the system, uh, at the present time has fallen into uh, a series of compounded lies that uh, are sought to diminish the control of the people, us, over our own, des own destiny. Now, why is that? Well, part of this is it has to do with how the dark side really functions. It, it can't, it can't any longer win these kinds of battles through brute physical force because that's a much earlier time in the history of humanity, and those times have pretty much left us. And they can't win the battle with just emotionalism because we're a bit too mental for that on an average, particularly in the United States. So they do it through mental lies, which uh, are connected somewhat to emotionalism, but not the dominant factor. These mental lies are uh, substantiated by uh, actions they themselves take. So it's like somebody saying, okay, I'm going to go out and rob a bunch of houses. <laughs> and then I'm going to say that everybody's house is in some way uh, unsafe and needs the control of the government over their houses in order to uh, keep them safer. Sound familiar? So that's, I'm using that as a example, maybe a silly example, but I, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. So that's, a, that's you could say, well, that who would fall for that? Uh, right now, about half the people in the country are falling for it. It's pretty much split half and half. And they, they don't need much more than that. There's the, the numbers are there to protect us, but at the same time, if you exceed past a certain point, uh, when you get past that point, there's nothing, no stopping this process. And since the United States is the leading country, if you can do it here, the world's gone. That's it. So why not go after the big prize, which is what they're doing? And people say, well, why does someone like Soros spend most of his money? He doesn't live here. I mean, he technically has a residence in the United States, but he doesn't doesn't uh, really actually live here most of the time. And why is it that he chooses to uh, try to spend as much money as possible to defeat the United States, not necessarily through even elections, 
or through subversive activities because that's the most effective way for the government to take over. When I say take over, I mean remove the rights of the people to govern themselves. And that's what it's all about. If you can remove the rights of people to be self-governing, they no longer will be able to do anything that you want, you know, against what you want to do yourself if you're evil. And that's the game. That's the situation we have. Now, the coming change in world order is a result of the ray changes that are presently happening and the effects from them. Uh, a, a ray called the third ray has been moving out and the fourth ray has been coming in. That has to do with what parts of civilization are being more controlling and, and, more, and more strong in their effect on the uh, consciousness of people who live here. Now, it's, it's not to, to the point where you, you can't think because this thing is happening. It's not to the point where the government is busting down your door yet, but that could be coming in a not-too-distant future, like 10, 20 years from now. That could very well be what, what we're facing. Before that, there could be, as I talked about in prior, a prior show, several of them, there could be a, a, a split in the country which would also create a change in world order. If the country splits into two different kinds of political units, and it's moving in that direction, of course, if, it, if that were to happen, because the United States would no longer have the same uh, effect on the rest of the world, it would nullify the United States. And right now, the rest of the world is more than willing to go completely dark. So we are the last stand in some ways, even though there are other great countries, but they are way past the tipping point that I think would keep them out of becoming evil. And so we've got a, a pretty dangerous circumstance. Now, yeah, you, a lot of people say, well, Western Europe, what's what you want with today? We'll believe in democracy. Do they? Well, maybe they believe in their form of democracy, but what they really don't do is they don't protect the rights that people have to be safe from their own government. And so all you have to do is take over the government, not the people, and you've got the, the trick done. This was done during the 30s and the 40s on into the 50s. And in some countries, it continued right up until the 90s, stopped for a short time and restarted. And in China, it's been continuous since the end of World War II. So you can think about this in terms of what is really happening. And what's really happening is that the world is still marching on, uh, other than in the United States, to a demise, to being taken over by darkness that will end the world. Why will it end the world? Because the dark side will take over the world and as a defense to it contaminating other solar systems, I mean, just getting out of hand, Earth will have a bad and sudden demise. So the, the, the problem we have today is that 
if you even if you buy everything I say, if you say, well, it sounds a little weird, but maybe it's true, what do you do about it? How do you stop something that seems like a runaway runaway train in most other countries right now? And the United States, it's starting to go. It's that we're starting to move in the direction of falling apart. Either we'll be politically segregated into two different types of uh, countries, or uh, the whole country will fall under a kind of socialistic, communistic, and mostly progressive ideology. And you can say, well, what's wrong with progressivism? It says that, you know, people should continue to become more mental in their thinking. It should not include faith and feelings and that sort of stuff. Well, yeah, if you really want a world in which there is no God, progressivism is your is your ticket. But a world without God, it's the same as saying a world that's got a very short life expectancy. And that's, you don't, you maybe don't believe that, but if, if you think that there's some alternative method that could substitute for the idea of God, uh, you need to listen to some of the shows that I did on that particular subject, because that would take a whole the rest of this show to even talk about. But there are some really good shows in the past that I've done on that very subject. All right, so here we have this change about to take place. How soon? I would say within 30 years for the world, within 10 to 15 years for the United States. We'll know the outcome. Now, you could say, well, come on. How do we know we can believe what you're saying? I mean, after all, you know, lots of people say stuff like this. is not necessarily the world isn't necessarily ended because they did. And the answer to it is it's pretty much like math. It's like you can start adding up what's taking place, and then you can say, well, this, this, and this is what's happening. And this is the next logical outcome. And if you, even if you exclude logic, logic is sometimes quite wrong, uh, and you go to a higher way of thinking, you still end up with the same results. I'm talking about a more uh, highly conceptual way of thinking and beyond conceptual, multi-conceptual, which then gets you into intuitive thought. And even when you go into all those different realms of, of, of thought, which is what really creates everything around us, is thought. Thought is what is the component in light. But that's a whole other show, I know. But it's the, the point is that you, here you have the, the, the com, component parts as I presented them, and they bespeak of a serious uh, coming near future problem here in the United States. And if we go down, like I said, the rest of the world is just not going to withstand the process. We will have uh, a world of dictatorial government that is mostly socialistic in its uh, approach. And socialism doesn't do anything except imprison people. It has no benefit to people in general. It has benefits to people in power. 
it gives them the ability to control other people and other things because that's what they want to do. And then they make up reasons for their own desire to do that. And so the world order could be based upon the desire of a small number of people who seek together to control, manipulate, and who work either actively or passively with the dark side. If they work passively, they may not believe there is a dark side. And if they work actively, they keep that very, very quiet. That's what we're facing in our particular, we'll say, ability to make this all go away is lessening by the day. And part of the reason that's happening is that we elected uh, a president who is the leader of this country, but that makes him also a world leader, and he's part of the world order. And we elected him because he has good ideas, but terrible emotional, uh, we'll say, restraint. And that's because he's a, he's a narcissist. You know, I talked about this before. And it has disabled its ability to get the programs across and the methodologies that I believe the man really believes in uh, to be effective in uh, governing through the laws and Congress of the country. Uh, and so that is producing for him a nightmare, but that nightmare transfers over to the rest of us. And will Trump stop tweeting? Will he stop, keep his mouth shut and, and get the work done that needs to be done and forget about trying to fight battles that are mostly in his own astral imagination. I mean, the, re the real things that are going on that people are saying and doing against him, for sure, there's no question that. But you got to just ignore that stuff. I mean, the way, the way to do it is literally by seeing the other people for what they are. They're just the emotional crybabies who want to fight and scream and yell and say bad things about you. But when you get into the fight with them, then you become like they are. And that's, that's what they want. So he's giving them what they want, which is really a nutty idea. So, uh, I don't know. You know, he's probably not going to listen to anything I'm saying. But, uh, you know, he, he, he probably needs a shrink to at least behaviorally tell him what to do. I don't think he's changed. People with narcissism don't change much after about 35, 40 years old, no matter what you do with them. They're going to be pretty much the way they were. But controlling the behaviors, is, it is possible to do, particularly if he uh, has confidence in the person who is giving him or people who are giving him the suggestion. So there's maybe some hope there. I, I really think that he's... But why, why is it the dark side is really nailing him over and over and over and over and over again? Well, because it works. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're, they're strictly pragmatic. There's no, everybody says, oh, well, they just hate him. I really don't think, I don't think they do. I think they just, they just want 
want to stop him. They want to prevent him from being able to exercise authority that will end their game. So that's what they're doing. And they're, they're way better at it than he is trying to deal with it, for sure. Okay, so that's a pretty serious issue. And I don't know that we're going to change that. Uh, the biggest issue that gets into question is Trump going to uh, be able to succeed in being reelected. And uh, as I've said so many times about this guy, at best it's a coin club. Because <laughs> he's doing the right stuff. I mean, the stuff, the decisions he makes that are ultimate decisions, not the ones he pretends to make uh, this week or this day and then change it tomorrow and back and forth or whatever. The ones he actually makes are generally pretty good. But, you know, he, with all that happening, I don't think it's going to change necessarily the outcome of the next election uh, because I'm afraid that uh, uh, some people just don't want a president no matter what their uh, thought process is about him in terms of what he's doing or not doing for the country. Uh, they just don't want a guy that is so off the wall, that is getting on Twitter and other things and fighting with them, continuously, saying goofy stuff when it's irrelevant. And that's what they don't want. I think it's embarrassing to the country and to themselves that this is who represents them. And I think that's the main drawback of his presidency. That's it right there. You may disagree with that, may say, well, I don't like any of his ideas. I don't like any. Well, that's a whole different thing. I think then we could have, then I'd be more than willing to debate the differences between his ideas and those of his chief political opponents and show the political opponents are nothing more than stooges for the Communist Party and whatever else that you want to call it, and, and or uh, the Sharia part of the Muslim uh, faith. And so when you put it all together, they're very, very uh, narrow-minded. And they, their, their goal is to achieve a specific kind of change, which, again, collectively will destroy the United States as we know it. Now, how? What, what? Is there anything more everybody who's listening can do? Yeah. Uh, my suggestion is no, I just, this is going to sound crazy, but maybe, <laughs> why not have everybody just tweet back to, to Trump exactly or what you think, whatever you think, but it, why not have millions of tweets going back to him when he tweets <laughs> and say, please stop doing this. We like your we like your plans. We like what you want to do. We like the things you have done, but we don't like you doing this because it's embarrassing. It doesn't look good for the country or for us, and we want to support you. So just cut that down, get rid of it, and maybe go see a shrink when you can, and we'll love you. And if he had millions of those kinds of messages coming in every day, I believe that would work. Now, <laughs> I don't know if I could get a million people, and much less millions of people to do that. 
But I think it really would work. It would work for me because I don't ever tweet or do any, any, any of that stuff. So I guess I'd have to send a letter or something. But I guess that, that might work. If you got a million letters saying that, I think that might work. So, you know, because I'm back in another age entirely. <laughs> and for me, the reason I don't like tweeting or any of the things that it implies is, is a wanton public statement controlled by a private group of people to determine its overall validity and whether or not it's posted and whether or not it stays and a whole bunch of other stuff. And that, to me, is like giving away my own individuality to a system that is controlled by people who are generally more dark than light. I don't want to participate in anything that's controlled by darkness. Even if it's useful at the moment, in the long run, it'll become destructive. So here are some other ideas that uh, I have <laughs> somewhat expounded upon in past shows. But I think it's worth another look with the coming situation in mind for some changes that we could try to make that would, would probably help even in the next election if people are worried about Trump losing, which is probably a significant risk at, at this point, depending upon how much uh, it keeps going down the road he's traveling. So the, the, the thing that you can do is, is in, it's, not that, it's not that different from many of the shows that I've talked about, but I'm going to be very specific tonight. It would be a, a tremendous advantage to collectively join or become part of a movement not too different from what happened in 2010 against Obama. Now, I realize a lot of people got trapped and were forced to go through audits by the IRS. and were, I mean, terrible things were done to those people. Today, though, it's much safer because although... Uh, Congress, and particularly the uh, people in the House, might go somewhere down that road themselves. They can't do anything. They can't pass any laws because the Senate is still somewhat in control by uh, Republican kind of people. But Republicans don't make that much difference. The question is where their loyalty is with the president or not. But that the ultimate factor is that Trump won't sign any bills. He just won't sign them if they are against the rights of people. I, I believe that to be a true statement. And if he won't sign those bills, then there has to be a two-thirds majority in both houses to pass it, which, frankly, that's not in the cards in almost any case. So he's still got control in a negative way about what can and can't get through. But for positive developments, the people, we, the people, need to be putting forth effort by sending letters to our own Congress people and senators and those who are allied with them that we think will listen to us. I wouldn't waste any letters to people who are known to be socialists, communists, supporting the more extreme parts of the Democrat Party because you're wasting your time and you may even be revealing something that you don't want them to know about. 
So I, I don't think that's a, that's a, a lot of people say, well, I'll write them and tell them what I think. I don't think they're really going to care about it. You might give away something more than be help. And you may put yourself on a list where they'll try to personally go after you, as did happen to the Tea Party. So I think there there is a possibility that this could be done. Uh, it needs some organization. I'm not the greatest organizing type of person to do that. But there are people out there who are great at it. And if it's put together properly, there could be a concerted effort to get the ideas, not the man, not Trump, but himself personally involved, but get the ideas involved and get those so they can get passed. And so ultimately, in the next election, there will be something that has already been done. And then people will... And maybe Trump will be more open in the coming months to not uh, getting into fights with everybody and just be quiet and do his job. And Well, maybe just do his job. He will never be quiet. But <laughs> let him do his job and hopefully not go off into a tangent. But the point is that it, w- it has some real possibility. And the people can do it. And there's a number of organizations, uh, if you watch Newsmax, they, they they kind of keep suggesting this as a way maybe to communicate. But it needs someone organizing. I don't think Newsmax has shown the ability yet to do that. So maybe another group has to do it. A group that is pro the ideas of Trump, not necessarily neutral on Trump's emotionality and tend to uh, maybe even be a little negative towards it just on a way directly to him to let him know, you got to stop doing this stuff. Not make that a public statement, but make it some kind of direction. Once he notices the real goodness that's been happening, then coming, something coming from that source may actually affect the guy. It may get him to preserve his next election. That's a real important part of what could happen. Uh, you know, and I mean, you know, it's no guarantee that would happen, but there's 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 a reasonable reasonable expectation that it could be and would be uh, a method to achieve some assistance in the coming change. Now, if nobody does anything, let's say everything continues as it is, then I think the odds are two out of three. Chances are two out of three. The coming world order will be a socialized world. And the result will be God will not exist as we understand God existing. And uh, religion may even become illegal in many places, including, strangely, uh, parts of the United States, if not all. And the United States will more likely split. And there won't be one country, but at least two. So these are really terrible, terrible outcomes. So I, I I really don't, and that's a two out of three chance, in my opinion, that that, that is where we're headed. So I, you know, have grave concerns. Now, I and the people that I'm associated with are working feverishly to try to make it at least a 50-50 chance and probably more towards the more positive side. And so we have, as I talked about last week, a lot of uh, actions that we're taking 
at this point behind the scenes, but uh, by within a year, probably a lot of people will know about it. And the, what we're doing is we're going after a whole bunch of segments of the country in different ways. And each way will strike a chord based upon how people's personalities are. And they're very soul conscious, so really uh, don't. They'll really pick up on it, which is a good thing, because then we've got a lot allies coming in that will be helpful in the future. And can we single-handedly, a tiny group, do much? Well, uh, because the things we're doing are so big, maybe, maybe. The ideas are very big. The execution of them is critical. And that's where we have to do a better job than we've ever done. Not to say we've always been bad about it. We haven't, but we haven't done anything of this magnitude. And if we achieve that, then that's a whole other a whole other base that we can use to help us move away from a socialized world that's highly progressive and highly anti-God. Now, if you think that that's of interest to you, you can contact us because we, we are always looking for assistance from anybody who wants to work on the side of light, do something that's really going to bring light into the world. And we're, we're hoping that some people will do that. I don't think they are going to necessarily jump into line at the very beginning because it's pretty abstract and difficult for people to see where we're going. I talked about it last week, but I don't know that that's enough for people to really get what, what it is we're doing. I know it helped our own people to realize what we're doing, but it didn't necessarily mean that anybody who was listening so said, oh, yeah, I want to get involved with that. I don't know. Maybe, if nothing else, at least there's some hope, some kind of, wow, if they're successful at this, this could really help. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I, even if you only go that far, that's better than nothing, and I'll take it. Yeah, so we'll all take it. And we try to do what we can in every situation to to get as much other people involved, because we really believe that more is better in every situation. At we haven't found that most people are willing to make the kind of commitment that it takes to do such monumental tasks. They get frightened, and they get uh, lost by their own things that come into play that make them afraid of stuff. And sometimes you are, we are attacked by darkness. We, we've had our share of it. Uh, but when it happens, we, we we keep it and stay in there, and we fight back as best as we can. So we do whatever it takes based upon the circumstances. Will we alone be able to change the world order? I don't think so. I think that it's going to take more than just what we're going to do. There's a maybe one out of three chance that we quit. And I don't, again, the two-thirds is against us. I don't think we can because although we can make a big dent, we're going to need more people doing more things in other ways than what we can incorporate 
because of our limited number of people and the limited resources to those people's ability to do anything. But certainly we have a shot. And we're, we're aiming at uh, certain parts of the seven different areas of existence. Those are ray-focused ways of doing, we'll say, enlightening work. There's, it's like it's just seven types of light, and so we're, we're focusing on a major three and maybe teetering a little bit towards a fourth. But, uh, so that gives us uh, a, a lot of chances to maybe we'll get a little further than other people have in trying to use a more ageless wisdom approach to affecting the world order. In the past, ageless wisdom failed, radically failed, because until at, right after World War II, uh, the, those in charge of the entire spiritual part, the old spiritual hierarchy, it's called, uh, did not believe in using power to confront and win against evil. It was through World War II that they saw that was absolutely necessary. They rationalized World War I away by claiming it was not ideological, but was rather uh, a, a, an issue of people not liking each other. There's some truth to that, by the way. Oh, and so you ended up with uh, humanity fighting humanity. But World War II was totally different. World War II was really good versus evil. It really was about the, the construct of ideas and propaganda becoming the most weaponized issue not just military factors. And power had to be employed in order to beat through that. And it was used successfully, and then it became part in 1947 of the plan for the spiritual hierarchy. Uh, and that, that kingdom, it's actually beyond the human kingdom, but there are members of the human kingdom that belong to both. And they're, they are... Uh, uh, finally took the leap <laughs> to include that. And that has made all the difference because now it's part of the plan to use power. You say, well, power, isn't that like forcing people to do things? Well, it is if you're evil. But power, when you use it to achieve light, uh, all it does is it brings about an increase in consciousness which is real love, and it also increases incredibly, by a very vast amount, the connectivity of the thoughts of people who have light in them. So that's what power can do. But uh, it can be obviously abused, and the dark side revels in power. That's that's why the spiritual hierarchy kind of got screwed up because they thought, well, if the dark side's using it, we don't want it. We're not going to use it. 
and they for for like a long time, like eight hundred thousand years. It's just that's a crazy belief structure, right? But it's wrong. It's wrong because you still have to use it. It's part of God. Power is part of God. It's just how you use it. Power can use to coerce, coerce, enforce, and 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 destroy the choices of others, or it can do the reverse. And that was the the lesson that finally had to be learned through the awfulness of war. But now it is is part of the plan. To make it effective, it takes, therefore, incredible amounts of cooperation and sharing, tremendous amounts of uh, the most advanced forms of consciousness, which is real love, the giving of consciousness itself to others. And then it requires an incredible level of truth reaching into highly developed and complex conceptual thought beyond where most people presently think, but still within the monastic realm. It requires those things in order for power to become a good thing. And eventually it requires for humanity in general some level of intuitive thinking where the collection of concepts are accepted together by the world order. If that collection of concepts, unlike communism, which is a single or a, a few a few concepts of nothing more than destruction and, 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 and theft of people's rights and control of them, this is the opposite. So this is the opposite that we're trying to achieve with the new world order, uh, if it can be done, and hopefully it will be done. Well, we're going to take a, a, a break for right now. Uh, we're going to go uh, for a, a while longer. I think we're going to make it for another hour. Uh, we did lose a little bit of the show. I apologize for that. We had some problems with our equipment here tonight. So uh, we'll be back in about uh, two and a half minutes, give or take, from right now. Hun, what book are you reading? It's a novel kind of, about romance, love, and spiritual life in general. Kind of a novel? What do you mean? Well, it's based on some real-life experiences and even real characters. Some of their experiences are fascinating and remarkable. I can't put this book down. How come the title is Afterlife Love? That's part of the fascination. This book describes the afterlife in intricate detail and even explains why things are the way they're explained. But how can anyone write about or know that? Some of the characters travel out of body to some places that people who've already died also go to. I'm finding it completely believable because it all makes sense and fits into a bigger picture for me. Hun, what happens to these people? You can read it for yourself when I'm done if you want. Better yet, I'll get my own copy so we can discuss it while we read. Let me see. I'll write down the title. It's Afterlife Love by Niles McFlower. M-A-C-F-L-O-U-E-R. Afterlife Love is available in some bookstores and from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com or 480-966-3132. That's 480-966-3132. Hi, everyone. Since childhood, I've had questions about my life and life in general that I couldn't find adequate answers to. Questions like, why am I here? Why are others here? Does the universe have a purpose? And how does that relate to my life? More recently, I've been wondering what happens when we die, especially the reasons why. 
I'm more of a doubter than a believer in many things, and answers that include the wise allow me to think and figure out the truth for myself. I've been reading a book, Life's Hidden Meaning. This one book contains more answers, including the wise, than all other sources I've read or heard. It's amazing to me that every one of my questions has been thoroughly answered. More importantly, I have found that all of these answers so far have checked out to be true. I hope this message helps some of you in your quest for better understanding. The name of this wonderful book is, again, Life's Hidden Meaning by metaphysician Niles McFlower. Some bookstores sell it. I got my copy directly from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com. Life's hidden meaning may enlighten your mind and bring some peace and joy to your heart. This is Why Life Is. I'm Niles McFlower. Tonight we're having another interesting show. And, you know, the the fascinating part about this is that um, I was concerned that tonight's show would be too negative. But really, I hope that it's not sounding that way. Because to me, as I hear my own show, (laughs) as I say it, it sounds more positive than negative. The the issue about this terrible thing that is looming over the whole world uh, has to be openly discussed because if if we don't inform ourselves about it, it's going to come and do bad things to us because it's us doing it to ourselves in effect. Now, part of the problem uh, with white socialism has uh, become so uh, favorably adopted by people from dark leanings is because socialism is the most successful form of totalitarian government. How do we know that's true? Well, uh, since 1872, every time it's been used, it has effectively... Uh, taken over one or more governments. And that's a pretty high level of percentage. And some countries that are not 100% socialized claim they are. And they're semi-successful because part of their country is not socialized. And so people look to them and say, yeah, see, they can get away with it. But usually they're small countries, a few million people. And they make a lot of exceptions to the socialistic rule book. And so that allows them to keep going. Uh, some of the Scandinavian countries are successful at this. Of course, New Zealand, who has been in the news recently, even Australia. Those countries are just getting by. Yes, they're never going to be as free as the, as the United States, and they will never be as close to, uh, we'll say, truly a enlightened place. But they're all that socialists can look at today because the rest of the world is socialized in any methodology, most of it being communistic, uh, is just plain evil. It's awful. It's really bad. 
And unfortunately, a large portion of Earth is presently living under those bad systems. Uh, and that's, why is that? Well, it just happens that socialism is so effective because of fear. It, they, they, it, they, they don't use love in their system. They use fear. And they make a population afraid of the government. And once you become afraid of your government, the government has tremendous power over you. And this is true whether you're, you're in China or you're in, uh, so to speak, Russia, but it's, it, it's semi-socialized, but uh, it's certainly as close as you can get without going back to full socialist uh, government, governing. And so is, as I said, New Zealand, Australia. I recently have learned a lot more about that country and how socialized it is. So you, you get into this thing and you look at it and the people, some of them are feeling semi-good about their situation, but most of them don't. Most of them are unhappy about the power the government exercises over their life. And when you go to Europe, of course, France has been the key component in the European countries that are large of socialism. And they have shown that it really doesn't work well for them, but they continue. And, uh, of course, Great Britain, uh, they were big into it for 20, 30 years. And now they fight back and forth about its continuation. At least they fight over it, which is, in a way, a kind of good thing. Depends who's in power in the United States, though, and unfortunately that's not a good thing because they're going up and down like the pogo stick like we are. And they're kind of, we're kind of doing the, the jig together. So it's a, it's a problem because if you look at it on a worldwide basis, uh, truly way over half of the world is affected by some level of socialism, and just under half the world is directly controlled by socialistic government. And we're moving past, we're going to, we're about to move past the midway point, which would mean the coming change of the world order. That's what it's about. So by using those examples, I hope that this show makes more sense now. And I talk about there's going to be a change because if we're that close to the majority of the world being significantly socialized, then there's no more freedom in government, and government becomes the iron fist that controls the people. The United States was put into effect by the founders of the United States to fight against things like this, although at that time they had, we were dealing more with kings and pontiffs and that sort of stuff. But, uh, and today, granted, it's more a collective base of a party. But the party, again, has a lot to do with the ideas of what we'll call the dark side of humanity. So the people that are in a socialistic party are almost always seeking to control others. They, they, their need isn't to live in a socialized world. Their need is to control 
those that live around them in such a world. And then to break the rules for themselves and live as a hypocrite behind the scenes. This is the general principle. I'm not saying everybody in a socialized government does this, but I would say it's vast majority, like 70, 80% of the people are just like that. They're, they're beyond belief because they usually seek uh, to have more than everybody else. They, and they profoundly get it through power and control, manipulation, and theft, and use uh, the government's money for their wealth. And that's the truth. So the bad guys are really the heads of the socialistic parties because they're the ones taking the most, stealing the most from all the people. There are others lower down who do their share of it, but not to the same magnitude. So it's sort of like you elevate yourself when you become more and more evil. <laughs> and when you become the maximum form of evil, you become the most, quote-unquote, wealthy, selfish, and ignorant. How do you like that? So we are facing some serious dilemmas because socialism has as a critical component the greed of those that run it. And without their greed and without their need for control, which is different than greed in, in and of itself, greed is the taking of things and having more. The control is the sense of feeling in power and making yourself out to be something you're not, which is your own God. That's kind of what socialism is about particularly as it takes more and more from the people. It may start off not like that. In the beginnings of socialism, it may even look like it's beneficial for some down, downtrodden people, but in the long run, what they get materially, they pay for dearly in control of their own lives. I mean, if you're willing to get a car or a house, by not being able to determine when you can drive your car or where you can drive your car or when and who you can have people come into your house, that's a pretty bad trade-off, in my opinion. Those are just examples, but you can see what I'm getting at. So I think there's a, there's a good chance. Now, I'm not going to say this for, for absolutely certain, but it's a good chance that some people are going to learn what I'm teaching tonight. Not from me, most, most likely, but from other sources who I'm hoping will start voicing what I'm telling you. Because this stuff was pretty much accepted and understood by the end of World War II. And then some countries in whole, including uh, England, Great Britain, Great Britain, adopted socialism and literally threw out all the gains that were made in fighting it during World War II. How insane is that? And people would say, yeah, but the Nazis, the Nazis weren't like the socialists in Russia. They hated each other. 
Well, they hated each other because they had competing ways of stealing and competing ways of of torturing people, competing ways of everything you can imagine that's horrible to do to another living creature. They just competed in different ways. In Nazism, the control came from a, uh, we'll call it, a, a need to advance in a methodology that was propagandized in more successful ways than ever it had been done, and that relied upon incredible forceful measures to begin with. The weird thing about it is, in the Soviet Union, which was, was a competitor, right, their, their issue was not that in the beginning. In the beginning, they wanted it to be based upon thought and arguments and that sort of stuff. But as, as soon as Stalin came in, all of that reversed, and he took his playbook right out of uh, Hitler. Basically, remember, they were the best of buddies until Hitler decided that wasn't what he wanted to do. But the point is that they really were on the same path. The earlier communists were not. And they were not exactly pure socialists either, which is weird. But the Nazis were certainly socialists, and Stalin was a kind of uh, horrible kind of socialist. And, and they did terrible, terrible things to their people and to the world. And this is what people are want to adopt. I mean, you look at this and you say, you want to be a socialist? <laughs> You're out of your mind? And the answer is yes. It's a sort of insanity. It is a sort of insanity. Uh, sort of like Heim Gnat. What did he say? He said he won a he he won a Nobel Prize. He won all kinds of other stuff. I, at the end of World War Two, he said socialism is the worst evil that the world's ever known. And he went through the different kinds of socialism, just as I have with you tonight. And he, he talked about the economic effects of it, because he was an economist. He says this is the craziest thing you ever want to do. Because if you want to destroy an economy, you make it socialized. It, it inevitably is going to destroy itself because it's, it's, it's so dark, it eats itself up. And it won't grow except by artificial lies and by presenting things that aren't true for a while, sort of a 1984 approach, and, uh, you know, and have a ministry of propaganda and tell people what they, you think they want to hear. And so that's, that's the amazing part about the whole thing, is that here you have a guy who writes these amazing things. Everybody accepted as being the gospel back in 46 or 47. And, and now people consider the whole thing hogwash. And sure enough, those communists are always right in the first place, right? We all should be marching to the communist beat. Let's socialize everything. The government should be controlling the whole world. We want worldwide government. And this business for countries is just a stepping stone to the world becoming one place. Well, when that happens, the world has about maybe a century left, and then bingo, bango, there's going to be a huge bad thing that will happen, and Earth will be gone. Uh, and I don't want that to happen. 
But that's my understanding based upon the teachings and angels' wisdom of what will happen. Let's hope not. Let's keep ourselves aligned with the light. Now, uh, a way to defeat a changing world order is to bring as much truth and light into everything that we do on a daily basis. Everybody says, well, I got to go out and fight then, what you're saying. I got to do this or that, and I got to make sure that the government is, how long going to ever fight the government of the United States or any other government? That and the answer is you don't have to do that. If people live their lives in the most enlightening way, the collective enlightenment that they produce changes the voting in future elections and causes people to awaken to what's wrong. It causes them to be able to see the behind-the-scenes desire for power and control over them and to recognize the lies that almost consistently are pumped out in propaganda by, well, in the case as an example, by the Democrat Party in the United States. Although there's some parts of the Republican Party that's this is that. And so you have you have that going on. And if you want to get people to see it, create more light in your life all day long. And that will provide a foundation for people to change. It sounds a little, we'll say, like too distant for the issue, but actually in a collective way it's far more likely to succeed than even what what I what I talked about last week with you, what our, our group is doing. It, there's, um, there's more to be gained if the majority of people live their lives just enlightening themselves and others, everybody they come in contact with. And maybe they don't even pay attention to the government. I'm not saying they should do that, but let's say they don't. If they don't, and everybody just said, well, I'm going to just create as much light as I can in my life, I'm not even going to pay attention to political, governing, first-rate stuff. I'm going to leave all that alone because it's just, you know, I don't like it. I don't want anything to do with it. I know that's, you know, some people's viewpoint, and that's okay. As a matter of fact, if we could get a majority of people to do that, socialism has no chance, none, and no, no communist, no... No dictatorial, radical people can take over. It won't happen. The power will be pulled away from them by the light. Create enough light, and the darkness will go away. That's pretty much what I'm saying. And so, there is another option. And for some people tonight, I think that may be the option they would choose. They might say, well... I like you talking about this on the show. It's very interesting, but I sure as heck don't want to start writing letters to the government or doing anything with Donald Trump or nothing. I don't want anything to do with that stuff. I don't want to have anything to do with these crazy parties that are that are really they, they're crazy people. Some of them are, you know, they want Sharia law, which says that you can't do bunch of things that we do in our life right now in the United States. You can't live. You can't live like you. Uh, you have to give up probably 75, 80% of your life. <laughs> wow. And there's people who are lining up behind them, 
And you could say, well, what about the few people who really make it big and do this and that? Well, most of the time, they're socialists. <laughs> they're doing it just through power. And they're using the power in ways that is usually against people, not for people. Uh, that's the truth. But it's hard for us to see that because we don't delineate, uh, at least in this country. It's very little delineation when people are quote-unquote successful. How did they reach that success? If it's a personal kind of success, it was usually done selfishly, and it usually ends badly. It may take decades, but it usually ends badly. Whereas it's the opposite if you're creating light for others, because that just grows and grows and grows, and it doesn't stop. And you, you might not be quite as wealthy as you might have been otherwise, or you might not be quite as powerful, but all of those things are not what we're here for. We came here to create more light in the world. You can't do that by just having light only in yourself. And that brings us back to the world order being an enlightened world order instead of a world order of darkness. Hopefully this makes sense. I don't know if anything I say sometimes uh, really explains the whole picture of things. All right, so where does this lead us then for making a change if we're just, we'll say, following the principles and ageless wisdom, which is a little different than some of the stuff I've been talking about. The principles and ageless wisdom suggest that in order to uh, establish uh, a enlightened place, you need to enlighten all parts of the uh, forces that are controlling the negative or bad parts. So you have to enlighten the forces, and the enlightenment of forces, and forces are caused when one energy goes against another energy. Instead of working together, the energies are working against, and it is destructive to senses. So when you destroy your senses and you destroy the senses of other people, in angel's wisdom, <clears throat> that says that you're, you're definitely working on the dark side. And to reverse this, you've got to be enlightening your senses and the senses of others. And you've got to work based on, because we're physically alive, based upon more about the energy states in the world around you than if you were in the mental world. Because people live in the mental world, but energy is not the dominant factor. Here on physical Earth, it is the dominant factor. And so we pay attention to it almost all the time. So you can almost use a straight energy model. In Angel's Wisdom, it suggested that the process is to deliberate about all forces that you encounter. It's not hard to do to know when a force is encountered because it it puts uh, it puts pressure against the sense and diminishes the sense. It puts it puts pressure against the ability to interact and to take any action. And you can immediately tell from those models what's happening. And if you use that as a model, 
then you can enlighten yourself and others simultaneously while you're physically alive with a relatively simplified model that others can follow more easily than the strictly conceptual model that I talked about up to up to five minutes ago on this show. And this model uh, is a model that I employ in those that I serve with in uh, AWD. Um, they, they employ some of it too. And the process starts literally with your own physicalness in this world and what you experience in your own senses. The object is to nullify all of the forces in your own body as best as you can. And how do you know when you're doing that? Well, you will get younger. And how you say, wait a second, nobody grows younger. You grow older. No, you will grow younger. Uh, and you can say, well, that's impossible. How do you grow younger? No, it is not impossible. Once you eliminate the forces, the light starts to re restructure your being, your physical being, and you will start looking younger, you'll start feeling younger, you'll be more healthy, and you will certainly live longer. But more importantly than the pure life expectancy, you'll live longer with better senses, better abilities, and that leads into the ability to think as well. Thinking is a mental process, less affected by mental senses than physical senses, in fact. But because people tend to be, we're in the, what is known as the fifth race of humans, we tend to be arrogant at times and certainly egotistical a lot of times. And that is the form that creates the forces in the mental body. If you eliminate those forces, your mental body expands and you suddenly are able to think way better, way faster, with less mistakes in your thinking process. So that's example of the mental. In a physical body, if you, if you eliminate the forces in your physical body, you just, the body within literally days to weeks gets younger. And certainly within months, that's a true statement. There's a lot to understanding that. There's a lot more that I don't have time to explain to you tonight about how to do that because it's fairly complicated because there's so many different forces that we have been misaligned with working under in our bodies, physical bodies, while we're alive, that we don't live very long. Our life expectancy is, what, 75, 80, 85, somewhere in that ballpark, right? Well, it's nearly double that if we were living in land. And it was 10, 15 years less than that uh, if you go back uh, one or two generations. So we've made some headway, or not very much. Uh, you would say, well, what about all the medicine? Is the medicine part of it? Well, medicine has some help. There's some help in medicine. But, but medicine doesn't understand angel's wisdom. So it, it, the side effects of medicine sometimes are worse than the treatment. So you have to be able to understand medicine from that standpoint. That's a difficult thing to do. And balance it if you can so that it's not so harmful. I'm not saying 
don't use medicines, but I'm saying use them as a way to balance your body. If you see your body declining because you're using a medicine, I had some limited application for sure. Very short term, and you better you better do everything you can to counter the forces that it does. Some of the chemotherapies do that. Some of the uh, more serious kinds of diseases that use really extreme medicines on kind of do the same thing. We have an opportunity while we're physically alive to learn better about the forces that can come about uh, in the universe. And it's very important we come here to do this because it's so obscure and difficult to understand it if you're not here. You can understand the principles that I've taught so far tonight, but if you don't live it, you'll never be able to truly understand it. And that's the reason incarnation into the physical world is so unfortunately difficult for human beings. We have to do it because if we don't, we aren't contributing to the light. And the darkness in this realm will eventually destroy the whole universe. Eventually, because there, there's enough evil now to make that happen. So we have to be very, very careful that this life be paid a, a lot of attention to. Too many people throw it away. Recently, I've been involved in, at a distance, uh, giving comment about some people who are looking for employment for some things. But those people have wasted so much of their physical Self by doing crazy bad things to themselves and to others, that their senses are diminished and they can't, they can't, we can't, we can't interrelate with them because there's, there's no way to do that. And so we have to find people who haven't done that. Well, most people have, and most people end their lives midway between where they should be. And they stop growing sometimes 10, 15 years before that even happens. So, so much is unfortunately dependent upon coming to this terrible place on a terrible world. Really, Earth is really about as bad as you're going to get. And uh, live for a very short number of physical plane years and experience treacherous hostile things going on around us that we sometimes become part of and contribute to. So I'm suggesting stop the contributions, clear up your own body, the physical one, and definitely work on your astral and mental bodies as well. I'm not saying to ignore them, but while you're physically alive, you got to start at the foundation. Foundation is your physical senses. They have to be impeccable if you expect to do much enlightenment. And that's impeccable means that you really notice when something's wrong and you really do something to try to correct it very quickly so that it isn't a long-term problem, as best as you can. Now, so some things that you may have, quote-unquote, inherited from your prior lifetimes, and if you have a lot of karma from that, there may be no way to live a life that will be pristine and calm and easy. You may be forced to deal with some stuff that has multiples of 
added force because of karma. Karma can go way over 10 times the amount of force. For real evil beings, it could be in the dozens and dozens of times of additional force if they ever let, let it happen. They try to avoid it by becoming more and more powerful and keeping it in abeyance. So eventually there's an end to that process and they just literally crack. They just destroy themselves. They go back to living as some kind of lower level life form with still some level of human consciousness. I don't know a lot of human consciousness. I mean, they're not going to be, they're not going to be able to probably figure out grand equations or something, but they're still sense themselves as being in some ways human, which is a horrible experience if you're, if you're walking around as an ant and you say, oh, I'm an ant now. That's terrific. Uh, but, but you really can think somewhat like a human being. Oh, that's a really horrible condition to have, right? you got to be suffering through that like crazy. And you go through a million lifetimes like that. So it's a pretty tough thing. Pretty tough. All right, but that's the Eve part. And hopefully the people who are listening to the show aren't in that space. So if we can, if we can manage the process that I'm suggesting, then that will allow the greatest probably change in the coming uh, world order because it's a process of self-development first. Now, this works best if you can convince somebody who is, say, younger than 35 to start it. <laughs> I don't know. And certainly by 42, you want to be doing some of it. Uh, and that's the problem. The people I meet who are even thinking about this are usually in their 50s and 60s. And that's a problem because they've already done so much damage, it's really hard to get them to the point where they can do a lot because the damage is going to take decades maybe to fix. You maybe don't you're going to live that long. So you got to make sure that you do everything you can within a very short time. It takes a thing called spiritual discipline. What does that mean? It means you're not disciplining things for your own benefit, but you're disciplining your body so that others will benefit. And you have to do it way faster than people would normally do it. Way faster because you're doing it for others. But because you're doing it for others, you're more likely to be successful at it than anybody who's doing it for selfish reasons, no matter what their age. Isn't that fascinating? I find, I find all this really interesting. Because ageless wisdom is a kind of strange system when you think about it, because some of it doesn't fit the models that have been presented by to people when they go to school or when you're brought up as a child, because they're kind of more truthful. They are definitely more truthful and honest, but they aren't necessarily accepted. They aren't like, oh, everybody knows that. You know, everybody's going to do that. No, they kind of aren't like that. You have to become a soul-like being while you're here. And humans can barely get out of the mud, you know, and we're going to become souls while we're here. That's a big deal. Live your life as a soul while you're physically alive. Wow. We call higher self. That's the soul to us. It joins with our soul. The soul, most people, it's too far asleep without the assistance of this greater being, to even wake up to, for us to be it. Most people, it's just like slumbering. It wakes up for a second. What, what happened there? <laughs> and it goes back to sleep. 
but with the connection with the higher self, the soul has tremendous capability to be assisting, and it does. And it joins connections through literally energy fields, but these are in the higher middle world. And it creates a, literally a series of connections, a lot of them, that lead to eventually the physical outcome. Physical outcome usually is anywhere from three to seven years later. That's how long it takes a lot of people to to make the, the shift. And uh, three years is pretty good. If you can do it in three years, it's a, that's a pretty pretty good number. Then you're probably working with a spiritual group if you're already doing that. Seven years, if you're only tangential to some spiritual groups or some in some way vaguely connected. And after that, we were at, that's about the end of it. If someone doesn't achieve it within seven years, they're usually never going to. And it's a kind of a strange thing. You know, people can try. They can keep going longer, but it doesn't usually result in anything. Because you've got to make a connection that is not just in your thought. It has to be in your interactions with people in life in the world in which you live, which in the case of being physically alive is this world here. And if you can't make that happen, it doesn't matter how much you're connected to your higher self, believe it or not, uh, you'll fail. And your own body will fail in the process as well. And you'll die pretty much the way you might have anyway. So it doesn't really preserve anything just to try. A lot of people say, well, I tried, so what do I get for it? Where's my, where's my consolation prize? <laughs> I hear that so often. It's ridiculous. Consolation prize. Well, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little sign thing. It says, you tried. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's not going to change anything. You still have the same karma from failure, and it grows in each lifetime. So, you know, nothing's going nothing's to go away because you tried. Uh, you got to succeed. Succeed is light. You must bring in the light into yourself and into others, or you will not succeed. Now, all these things I'm telling you about from the angel's wisdom side uh, have to be, at least in part, incorporated back into, with enough people, there's about give or take maybe 14,000 people, that, uh, 14 million people who could possibly do this. Not too many, though, that's it, for a whole world. And a lot of them are not functioning even near that. But the point is that it can be done, and it can be done effectively if uh, people start earlier or they're willing to make great sacrifices in terms of, uh, especially, believe it or not, mental operations. It starts with the physical. First couple of years, it's called spiritual discipline. It's almost all physical. And then it becomes joined with the emotional and then more and more with mental. And as, as it joins together, you become a new being. You become a soul yourself and, while you're physically alive. And then almost every part of your life, is spent trying to help others to become enlightened instead of trying to be enlightened yourself. 
And that's a, that's a big change. When do people change? About three years, three, give, give or take. They start to say, well, I'm really here for others in life, but I'm really here to like myself. If it happens, it's okay, but I really care about what's going on with everybody else. That's a big shift in the thought process. And it's what the soul thinks. It's not what, what the personality thinks. The personality only knows that it's here for itself. I mean, it's lower self. And it wants to get something out of whatever's happening. And it, that's what has to be given up. You've got to give up the personality. You give it up because it joins, strangely, this is an odd thing, it'll, it'll join with the soul over time. So it says, you know, if I join with my soul, I become an immortal being. So what am I, what am I worrying about? This personality dies no matter what. It really does. But if it joins with the soul, it lives forever. Wow, that's pretty cool. Well, it's not itself anymore. It's not its lower itself anymore. It's its higher itself, but it's okay. It's still itself. It's still right, right there, you know. So you still say, I am, but it's a bigger am. And you're more capable of changing the world order in that capacity than anybody who stays being their personal lower self, personal and lower self. That those people can't change the world order. No matter what they try, no matter what they do, they won't succeed according to angel's wisdom. Now, I'm not saying if you're doing that to stop. I'm just telling you that it's not likely according to angel's wisdom that you can succeed because the principles behind the scenes are not in your favor. The things that you need to have working for you will be absent when you absolutely have to have them. And that's the unfortunate problem. And I'm not trying to say this so that people will get discouraged. I, I'm only saying it from the standpoint of the teachings of the show being as accurate as possible and not misrepresenting something that people may want, but it isn't true. And generally speaking, the idea of functioning, the personality is your subconscious. And most of what we do, about 90% of it, if you're an average person, is subconscious. But you still got about 10% of the time where you might be more conscious and do something a little bit beyond your personal interests, so to speak. And that's where the difference lies. If you've got to get that change, you've got to get that flipped around so you become more other conscious and less than half personal conscious to make the big, the big jump. And that only occurs in people who are spiritually disciplining themselves for the purpose of creating more light, not for the purpose of reading or listening to shows like this or for any number of a hundred other things that people claim they do that makes them a real spiritual person. As a matter of fact, most of the activities that people spend, quote-unquote, developing their spiritual side is anti, anti, uh, developing into a soul. It's against developing into their soul. They just delude themselves into believing them. They'll study, they'll listen to lectures, they'll, uh, they'll go and meditate in groups sometimes, very large groups, 
they'll uh, pray, depending upon their focus and their their spiritual side. And then they'll uh, they'll also uh, contribute charity. They'll they'll say, well, here I I gave I gave at the office. <laughs> I gave. They'll give this physical things, and they'll send gifts to people. And I'll even give a few people that they are that are homeless or they don't know that they give them some money. And they say, well, those are all the things that make me a soul-like being. And that one of those things will do that. Isn't that weird? Now, and of those things. Yet they're all the things you read about in the books. That's how you live. That's how you should be. But those will not create a new better world order. They will do the opposite in some circumstances. Why? Because they're done for self, lower self, and grind, and, and grind, um, well, for, to expand the lower self, to make the lower self feel better about itself. And the personality doesn't mind that. It wants its lower self which is the conscious part of us, to be happy and think it's wonderful. And when it thinks it's wonderful, then it lets the personality do what it wants when it needs to. And they get along marvelously together. But they don't act as a soul. They don't function as one. They certainly aren't willing to make any great sacrifices about anything that they think is important to them. So you can see why, in order to, in ageless wisdom, to affect uh, the world order, you've got to give up a heck of a lot of your quote-unquote personal comfort, life, and tangible things. And even, you got to give up a lot of control, a lot of control over your life, but also even more so over other people's lives. Wow. That is a tremendous, tremendous change. And the personality fights back. It doesn't like being taken out of control because it is exists to be in control, except when it decides itself, its lower self should be in control. And then it says, Okay, you can you can exercise now your, your selfness. I know it's good for you, go ahead and do something. Do something even that you like. It's all right. You do something that maybe you don't like, but you think it's good. That's all right too. That's how the that's how the personality functions. But the personality, in terms of consciousness, is pure consciousness. Forget about what it knows or doesn't know. Not knowledge. Consciousness doesn't get much older than ten years old. Its consciousness isn't, and consciousness is love. It's the giving of givingness. To others, uh, it doesn't get any older than about ten. Scary. So people who are very controlled subconsciously, which is the personality, are incredibly childlike in their thought processes, in terms of giving, love, enlightening, all the things that really count towards creating a new world order. That is enlightened. So we are facing these things, and in general, under socialism, 
subconsciously, the socialists uh, do the exact opposite. They reinforce the fears the personality has of loss of control, and they do it by force from the government. And they stamp down anybody giving anything without getting permission from the government to do so. You should be aware these are methodologies that are used in socialized governments. They've been used for a long time, but they were honed after 1872 in England. That was the first place it was developed. And it has become a hallmark of both socialism and communism. All right, so that's their nature. Their nature is darkness. Their nature is to always become darker. Isn't that weird? And that is the world order that we could be facing. Once you get into that, if you go very far down that road, on a planetary level, that planet is doomed. And it doesn't take long. It's just a century of that, and you're finished. Imagine the entire world under Stalin or Hitler, it not matter both, both of them, I guess, um, running it. What it would be like after 100 years. And you could see the world would be a very, very evil place to be. A place where no one I could think of, that I know on any level, would want to live in. That's the place that we could be headed for. And I hope that that has made some sense. You know, I the things that I'm saying tonight are pretty much uh, foreign to a lot of people because they think that some elements of socialism maybe are still good. There's still some goodness in it someplace, you know. Because after all, the government isn't always bad, right? They can do something good once in a while for somebody, right? They can. Yeah. But they don't under socialism do that. The government has to be the will of the people itself. And the thought of the people represented through their representatives, in the case of the United States government, and a world government based upon such a, such a thing, in which there is no socialism, would bring about an enlightened world, a world where people would be souls in a more natural way without having to come here to fight every minute just to maintain it. And that's the world that I'm hoping for in our future. And I hope you'll hope with me as well as work with me in this from this tonight's show. I gave you a pretty good, I think, although it's maybe short, but pretty good explanation of what's happening and what we can do about it and maybe make some changes while we're still around to do that. The thing is that you could say, well, I'll believe you when I get to the middle world and all this is coming true. But by that point, you know what? Too late to do much about it. And in your next life, you can start all over again. You won't remember. You won't remember any of this unless you executed it in this life while you were here. You won't remember a thing. Memory comes from a 60% average of having exercised the light yourself, or you lose it in the next life. 60%. That's a big number. 
most people being 60% enlightened. So huge amount. So most people don't remember their last lives. They may remember occasional moments. And usually when they do, it's because there is a light in there that somehow got through. Strong enough light. It could be a terrible experience, but it was enlightening. Or it can be a wonderful experience that you help to contribute to. But however it works, it leads to the enlightenment and it leads to the eventual development of greater beings. Greater human beings and eventually greater soul beings from the process. But how many lifetimes? Way over 700. The average, granted, just a number, 770. Those numbers don't mean anything. It really depends on whatever you think it's going to be. Actually, 777. I think that they're cute numbers, but they don't really mean much because people vary tremendously in this very area. I hope, I hope tonight may, has made a difference. I hope you re-listen to this show because there are so many different things I covered so that you can possibly make a big difference. A big difference. And contact us because we're willing to work with anybody who wants to enlighten this world and make a world order that we will all look back on and say, wow, that was a great time when we made that place into the world that it is today. Really, really, really great. Well, speaking of time, <laughs> we are out of time. Uh, and I'm sorry about the beginning of the show. We did have some equipment problems, but we're still working on that. And until next week, this has been Niles McFlower for Why Life Is.